0: So today's scripture begins with the words, Our Father. And today, uh, we're going to hear about, you're going to get an update on Stonebridge's global mission initiative in Haiti. But uh, before we get that, um, I thought I'd introduce today's scripture by way of some storytelling. Western cultures in general, and the United States in particular, celebrates individuality. And what we in the West celebrate as a virtue, individuality, is not necessarily celebrated as a virtue in other cultures throughout the world. For example, my my brother was an Air Force officer stationed in Misawa, Japan. And one of his interests is whitewater kayaking. In fact, at one point in his life, he was actually an instructor uh, for this so he tells the story of how, while he was stationed in Japan, he was looking for people to go kayaking with. And he met a Japanese man who kayaked and asked if he'd be willing to go kayaking with him. Uh, he had found, my brother had found this particular river about an hour outside of Misawa. Now, although polite, uh, the Japanese man was hesitant and when pressed, always denied my brother's invitation. So... Uh, In time, my brother actually met another Japanese man who kayaked and asked if he'd be willing to go uh, with him to this river. And although polite, he too was hesitant. And when pressed, he always denied my brother's invitation as well. This actually happened several times until in one particular conversation, one of these men said to my brother that, there, that all of the guys, my, bro, my brother had told him that he had spoken to others as well and was like, why does everybody not want to do this? And this one man explained to him, well, that, that there was a white water kayaking club. And a bit confused, my brother was invited to come to the club meeting and was encouraged to bring his idea and to bring his invitation to the whole group. So my brother did. And when he did, the club discussed it And although they had never kayaked this one river before, they decided it was a good idea. And the whole group went along with my brother and apparently they all had a great time. Now, about this, my brother always reflected that basically on the front end of all of this, he simply did not understand the Japanese culture. They do everything in groups. The Japanese did everything together. To go off and kayak a a river without the whole group It simply wasn't in their cultural DNA. Now, I bring all of this up in order to tell my own story, to tell my own personal approach to the Lord's Prayer. Although the Lord's Prayer starts with the two words, our Father, somehow in my heart and in my mind, I had appropriated the truth of the Lord's Prayer as my Father, now, I know why this is. When I was young uh, and uh, growing in my faith, th- my mentors, uh, those people who influenced uh, my, my growing faith, were very much into, uh, their language was very much personal relationship with God, personal relationship with Jesus. So my personal walk with Jesus, my personal relationship with God has, until recent years, been so important to me that in my heart and in my mind, I had appropriated the truth of the Lord's Prayer, for better or for worse, personally. So, fair warning, it's, to me at least, a bit painful. But here's what Jonathan's version of the Lord's Prayer sounds like. My Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give me this day my daily bread and forgive me my sins as i forgive those who have sinned against me and lead me not into temptation but deliver me from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever now doesn't that sound a little awkward It sounds, it feels wrong, to be honest with you, now that I say it out loud in front of everyone. (laughs) And yet, I've often wondered how many other people have appropriated the Lord's Prayer the way I had. So, to get it straight, today's scripture is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And let's pay a special attention to the plural pronouns. This, then, is how you should pray. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. This is our scripture this morning. Our Father. Our Father. The Bible talks a lot about how before we come to faith, before we come to faith, how we are like orphans. Before we come to faith, we are spiritual orphans without a father. We are spiritually fatherless. And how when we come to a saving faith in God through his son Jesus, We then become adopted sons and daughters. And as such, we become part of a spiritual family through this adoption process. And that family is known as the church. The church is not a building. The church is a spiritual family made up of people. But much larger than the people present in this room this morning... Our Christian family includes all Christians from all times, from all over the world. In principle alone, this is one reason why global missions is such an important part of Stonebridge. If we are a global spiritual family, how can we ignore the challenges of our Christian brothers and sisters? If we are a global Christian family, we cannot ignore the challenges of our spiritual sons and daughters our father so let me tell you a little bit about haiti before i pass the mic to kim vasquez haiti remains the poorest country in the americas if not the world nearly 85 percent of haitians live on two dollars and 41 cents a day how much did you spend on starbucks this morning another way to put it is that nearly 85% of Haitians live on $880 a year or less. How much is your monthly car payment? Now, in addition to the country's poverty, 90% of the Haitian population is extremely vulnerable to natural hazards. Um, in, for example, in October uh, in October of 2016, Hurricane Matthew hit the island, and it was the most devastating disaster since the 2010 earthquake. And it caused enough damage. Uh, this is uh, remarkable to me. It caused That one hurricane ca- caused enough damage to Haiti to reduce its gross domestic product by 32%, that one storm alone. Hospitals were affected, and 500 schools were destroyed from that hurricane. Now, in an effort to globally serve the poorest of the poor, Stonebridge began a relationship with the Simi Valley-based missions organization called Connect2 to serve in Haiti. And it's through Connect2 that we launched relationships with Pastor Pouisse and Pastor Timothy. And it's with that that I introduce this morning... Kim Vasquez.
1: Good morning. Is it on? <laughs> if I start to drop it down, just raise your hand because then you won't hear me. Um, happy Father's Day. This is a great way to remember we are all children of God and that He is our Father. Um, in John 14:18, Jesus tells the disciples, "I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you." When I think of Haiti, this verse resonates in my soul. And as Pastor Jonathan so aptly reminded me when I was preparing this presentation, this is God's promise to us that He will never abandon us." We at Stonebridge Church and I personally... Get to live out this promise by supporting and maintaining and developing the relationship with those we serve in Haiti. As part of the December 2017 team, I went to Haiti for the fourth time. It is my privilege today to be able to report back on the progress that's being made through the collaborative efforts of Connect2 Ministries, churches such as Stonebridge, and then the various pastors in Haiti. But before I get into kind of the nuts and bolts of what's been happening, every trip has a poignant moment that just sticks with you. And for me, every trip, it's been a different moment. This trip, it occurred riding in the van from Pastor Timothy's back to the ministry center in Onaville and talking with our interpreter, Wilson, who I'd met on previous trips and just a wonderful young man. He's kind of trapped in Haiti by his circumstances, has a mentally ill mother um, who he cannot abandon. So even if he had an opportunity to leave Haiti to better himself, he can't. He just cannot leave his mother. So he works part-time as an interpreter and spends the rest of the time taking care of her. Um, so we're driving back, and it was New Year's and particularly crowded in Port-au-Prince because all of the families gathered to celebrate the very important holiday. So the streets are packed, and a lot more trash, um, activity, things that we don't see sometimes on our other trips. And as you're looking out the van, you can't help but be bombarded by all of this, by the trash, the smells, the sounds, the colors, just the commotion that's going on all around. Um, Wilson quietly leans over to me and says, I hope that this is not what you think of Haiti, the trash, the smells, the poverty, that I hope you see us the Haitians kind of got me, (laughs) took me right back to my first trip where God had prepared me the first time I went to look at them as he sees them, not as the world sees the Haitians, but as he does as the beautiful children of God. And I'm batting zero. I can't get through one of these presentations without tearing up. So I apologize. (laughs) Um, I'd like to share with you 1 Thessalonians 2.8. We loved you so much that we delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Because you had become so dear to us. You've got to stop doing this to me. <laughs> with this in mind, I'm going to share what's been happening. This is Marie Blaise. We first met Marie in 2014. She is a, a Haitian nurse who um, basically over the last several years has been caring for twenty-two disabled children who she rescued from an orphan I mean from a hospital where they had been left to perish. Um, she's been raising them in a small compound in Port-au-Prince where they basically, their their world revolves around these cement walls and the cement structure. But she has a bigger God-sized dream, and her dream has been to move these children out of the city into a larger compound where the boys and girls can have privacy and dignity and grow. That compound is almost complete, and she is hoping, with God's grace, ...to begin moving the children to the new facility before the end of the year. Um, just a little side note, the facility is up near the Dominican Republic... ...and it sits up on a hill and overlooks a lake, far cry from the congested t- streets of uh, Port-au-Prince. Back in 2016, the orphanage for the Restovic children, those are the children who connect to with Pastor Poise, ...are rescuing out of human trafficking, was nearing completion... At our recent visit, this uh, first phase was completed and now houses 82 children. In December, construction was begun for a second facility, and in the last four months since our return, the second facility has already been completed, and they've begun construction on a third. Church planting and pastoral training is another area of focus for Connect2 and uh, particularly Pastor Poise's ministries. And during our recent trip, the guys on the team went to help with the construction of a new church for Pastor Mosley. Now, the girls could have gone. They're equal opportunity employers there. Um, from bare dirt to completed structure in three to four days. And uh, if you see Paul or Mike or Kirk or the boys, ask them about the human nail gun. Um, an amazingly hardworking group of people. This is Pastor Poise, and his ministry center houses the church, the warehouse, medical clinic, and dormitories for the missionaries, and it's our home away from home while in Haiti. Um, The vocational training center is also located on the compound and was nearing completion when we were there. Life in Haiti is subsistence living at best, And the goal of the vocational training center is to provide young men and women who participate in the program with the skill set to support themselves and their families. Training will include raising chickens, raising rabbits, welding, sewing, engine repair, and baking. And this is the unfinished bakery, um... But as of this month, the ovens were due to be installed and their bread baking business was supposed to be launched. So things move very quickly in Haiti. Um, The training program will be available for those kids in Pastor Timothy's uh, Regency Orphanage, which is the Restovic Rescued Children's Orphanage, Fairmont Orphanage. Um, for these children who are turning 18 and will age out of the foster system, orphanage system, as well as to church members in Pastor Pouisse's, um congregation. So remember, share our lives with you because you had become so dear to us. Um, at this point, I'd like to introduce a clip from Cindy Lewis, who was not able to be here today, but she did go to with us um, in December and She's going to be sharing about a connection she was able to make with one of the girls there in Haiti.
2: Hello everyone, my name is Cindy Lewis and I'm so sorry I can't be here this weekend. Uh, But I want to share with you a little about my experience in Haiti on the mission trip in January. Um, I was apprehensive at first about going because um, it was a VBS experience and I'm uncomfortable around large groups of children and I have trouble disciplining and just being around screaming out of control children so VBS isn't usually the thing I would want to volunteer to do but I was very interested in going to Haiti and I decided that I was going to do the best I could and go meet the children in Haiti. Um, I've been sponsoring a child in Haiti for a long time so I was very interested in going there and meeting her in person and um, I've traveled a lot. I love to travel. I love to interact with other cultures. I teach English as a second language so I'm every day working with um, adults, not children, I teach at a college, (laughs) and I work with adults from all over the world, and I enjoy meeting other people from different cultures, so I really wanted to go to Haiti. While we were there, um, I helped with reading the letters to the children through a translator. So I sat down with each child with the letter that their sponsor had written to them, and we read the letters to each child. And the, the translator would translate, and then the children would write back either in Creole or some of them would ask to have it translated into English and um, to write back to their sponsors. So I wrote a letter to my um, child that we have been sponsoring, Astanja, and I also wrote a letter to another girl named Rochela because we didn't have a letter for her uh, because she's new and she didn't have a, a sponsor yet. So I also had written a letter to Rochela. And Rochela is 14 years old and when she came to sit down next to me, um, I told her that I had written this letter to her. And she was very shy and a little confused, I think, by it, like, why would I write her a letter? So I read the letter to her through the translator, and she was I gave her pictures of my family and shared with her about my family, and she was kind of like a little shy about it. And she, the rest of the day, she was kind of off to the side, kind of watching me as I was talking with the other kids, and then um, I also took pictures of each of the children so that we could bring pictures back to the church. So that's what I like to do. I love to take pictures and I like working one on one. So I was taking pictures of each of the children. Um, then the next day um, we had a devotional book that Pastor Cynthia put together for us. And I was reading in my devotional book that morning, and I was reading the Lord's Prayer, um, which is of course it's the first verse I've, I ever memorized in my life, and it was very special to me and. I never remember what the where it is in the Bible. But just that morning, it was in devotional. So I thought, oh, it's in Matthew 6, um, 9 through 12. But I would never have known that if it hadn't been for that great devotional that morning. So I go back to the orphanage that, that day, and Rochelle has her Bible. And it's a, of course, it's in uh, Haitian Creole, not in English. But it's easy enough for me to figure out where Matthew 6 is. So I go flipping through it, and I pointed at it to her. And so she read to me... So, and taught me how to say it in Creole. And it was a way that we could connect was through this verse that Christians know all over the world. We could read this verse together in her language, and I could understand and we could understand each other that way through this verse. Oh, dang it, I have a finger. Now all of a sudden this thing magically appears in my hand. <laughs> um, this is the devotional book that Cynthia, Pastor Cynthia made for the group. and. Um, I had it with me, it was very special to me. So on the back, I had Rochella write out the words in in her handwriting of the Lord's Prayer in Haitian Creole. And so we would practice saying it every day together. And um, it became a way for us to just kind of bond that we could, I couldn't talk to her in Haitian Creole and she couldn't talk to me in English, but we could both say these words together. And that was very special, and it was a way that we connected through using the Bible and through God's Word to be able to communicate to each other. For the rest of that week, every day we would she would come find me, and we would you know block arms together, and we would and she would laugh about my pronunciation, and, and we would and I would try to teach her a few words in English, and she'd teach me a few words in French, and they would try to teach me how to count, and then I don't remember. <laughs> my memory is not good, so they have to teach me every day. <laughs> After meeting Rochella, I was really excited to have this personal connection with one of the orphans there that, that I now sponsor, and um, I wish so much that there was a way to send letters to her more often, um, but because of the way the government is there, the only time we can send them something is when we send a team there. It was interesting to me to see these children. Um, they had so much hope, and when you ask them, you know, what are you studying, what do you want to do? They had big dreams. Like, some of the people say they want to be a lawyer or be a doctor or be a teacher. They have these great dreams, and through our sponsoring them, they're able to get the education they need to be able to achieve these dream- dreams. And when you see that, it just it, I can see how much work we, we have accomplished by sponsoring these children, and that they otherwise would have no hope for even just a simple education, and hopefully they can achieve their dreams. Thank you.
1: It's a bond that will probably never be broken between Cindy and Rochela. Um, and just as an side note, the Bibles, the, the Creole Bibles, were provided to the sponsor or to the children through our sponsorship. Uh, last, not this year, but the previous Christmas, we raised monies to help purchase the Bibles to distribute to those kids. So, a very tangible way that we can see how our support happens. Um, I'd like to introduce you to Pastor Timothy and his wife. Um their orphanage is our primary focus in Haiti. Um, following the 2010 earthquake, Pastor Timothy and his wife felt the call to care for these children who were orphaned or abandoned by their families who could no longer care for them. And we first met Pastor Timothy and his children in 2014. At that time, he had 32 children, and they were living in a three-bedroom home. One of the bedrooms was his wife and his. The other two were for the children. So there were about 15 to 17 kids in a a bedroom. Since that time, he has moved down the street to a larger residence and um, still close to the church and to his school. And because of the change and the increase in size, there are now just eight kids in a room. Uh, The children, as you can see, are growing and developing not only physically, but they are growing spiritually as well. They are active in Pastor Timothy's church, attending school and developing bonds with one another and with Pastor and Mrs. Timothy. Nine of the children last year passed their, um, I called them initially state, but they're their national education exams. In order to go to higher levels of school, you must pass an exam and nine of Pastor Timothy's kids passed the exam and through uh, financial support also from our sponsors, uh, these kids were able to begin the next phase of their schooling. Uh, Pastor Timothy has eight new children since our visit a year ago, so he is now up to 42. During each trip in Haiti, I am always reminded of how hard life is for the Haitians and how faithful God is. Earlier in 2017, Pastor Timothy suffered a major stroke. Um... Praise God that during our December visit, he was in physical therapy and was able again to walk on his own without the use of a cane. The orphanage also lost their primary caregiver, Mama Lidzi, when she suddenly passed away. Um, And that's a huge loss for this orphanage because she had been there for many, many years and just adored these children and truly loved on them. Um, Nider, one of our... Pastor Timothy's boys had developed a serious abscess on his arm. And without medical treatment, he may have eventually lost the arm or worse because the infection was spreading down his arm. And you could see the spread of the infection when we were there. Um, with funds from the team and the willingness of Paul Dixon and our interpreter Wilson to go track down a doctor, um, Nader's arm abscess was drained and he was able to get some antibiotics to reduce the risk of further infection. So by the end of the trip, he was back to himself. He was back and playing and happy and, and, um, it was a good thing. Um, so that's kind of the progress that we can see in a very tangible way over the last four years, what's been happening in Haiti. Haiti will always remain a country in need of God's grace and salvation. And there are many ways in which we can continue to support that ongoing work. First and foremost, pray. Pray for the Haitians. Pray for those that go to Haiti to help. Also, Pastor Timothy needs a shade structure built on the roof of his complex. So if anybody with construction skills wants to take a trip, um, he's also praying and wishing for a solar power system. So if anybody could design a system. Um, to date, Pastor Timothy has been unable to replace Mama Litsky due to her lack of funds. Um, but most importantly, like Cindy, myself, and many others here in Stonebridge, um, I'm asking you to consider possibly sponsoring an orphan. There are currently 16 unsponsored orphans in Pastor Timothy's. Um, complete sponsorship provides food, housing, and tuition. However, partial sponsorships or any kind of donation will go towards the care and feeding of these children. Um, I will be at the ministry table after service to answer any questions and provide information on sponsorship if anybody is interested. Um, But I hope that you will agree through this report um, and the presentations that um, are to follow that uh, with God, all things are possible. So thank you.
0: So we've titled this uh, current three-week series The Ripple Effect, and the idea is that in the same way that you drop a stone into a still pond and it creates an energy of waves that continue to expand, so too when God's spirit moves in the hearts of believers, and believers then move and take action upon that movement of the Holy Spirit, then a ripple effect begins to happen. A ripple effect begins to happen in the lives of those who are taking the action. And in this case, you've heard the stories of Kim and Cindy. But it also, uh, the ripple effect also takes place in the lives of those who are being served. And, and in this case, that's Pastor Poise and the Mission Center in Onaville and Pastor Timothy and the 42 orphans. Now, I believe that this is the beautiful hand of God at work within us as Stonebridge Community Church. And I believe that this is God's beautiful hand at work, not just within us, but through us and into the world. So I invite you to come back again next week. With, uh, you'll be able to hear more stories from Haiti, uh, a continuation of the ripple effect, and uh, this with a special message that's titled, The Lifeblood That Connects Us.